Hello, this is Edward Lauder, founder and editor of Small Screen. This is Sean McLaughlin, story executive at the ISA, producer of Batman Beyond and Justice League Unlimited, and the writer-director of The Last Night of the Twi-Night. And this is James Simon, CTO and producer over here at Small Screen. Hello, everybody. Hello. So, got James. How are you doing, James? You don't have to put me first just because I made that joke last week. <laughs> I've actually, I've actually got a post-it note here. Say, so mention James first. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> I'm not that petty. <laughs> no, but we are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's Easy not way. all. It's not all about you, James. <laughs> it's always all about me. It's all about James. I'm we good. Are. I'm good. How are you, Sean? Thanks for asking, Sean. <laughs> Am I here? Yeah, am, am, am I am I being recorded? Uh, hi, I'm good. James, how are you doing? I'm fantastic, Sean. Thanks for asking. How are good. you? Good, good. Well, I something a little bird told me I should ask you how you were doing. Mm. <laughs> okay, we could totally start this over. I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like it. I like that beginning. I think it's funny. I think we keep it. <laughs> keep it. Let's go. We're all here, so let's talk about stuff. We're all present. James, present. Sean, present? Present. Present. You sound uh, like uh, Taika Waititi there. No, it's it's Murray Hewitt. If you ever watched uh, Flight of the Concords. Marion. Marion. Murray, present. <laughs> um, yeah, like... It's a good what, show. Oh, it's a very good show. What do we have to talk about? Uh, it's like nothing's happened, you know? there's There's been no, like, massive The Hollywood Reporter article uh, talking about everything being cancelled and everyone being recast and and then James Gunn hasn't been going on Twitter saying some of it's true some of it's some of it's half true some of it's untrue oh my god uh where do we start let's start let's start with, with the um, the variety one the the, bat, was, the batman let's start, uh, let's start with that so yeah the Variety, to, uh, <laughs> their article claimed that James Gunn and Peter Safran were thinking of making, um, bringing Robert Pattinson's Batman into their DC universe. Um, to, <laughs> about 30 minutes after that was posted, James Gunn then debunked it. Because um, <laughs> I was literally about to write the article and then I saw that James Gunn, I was like, I'm going to wait a minute. Before writing Wait. this article, he the good, the good yes, thing is did. that they they gave it just long enough that that uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman had started walking to the DC <laughs> universe. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but he was only partway there for his 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 bat stroll. Oh dear, yeah. So honestly, I would not want to be one of these journalists working at these trades at the moment because. It's just James Gunn is 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 quite ferocious on Twitter, isn't he? Um, he don't you? He, I don't on. think it's ferocious, tenacious. Maybe. Don't you think some of them are just like they they get like a tip and they're not like really chasing down sources for these things? They're just like I need to be the one that says this first. This is the thing. I, like Variety and the Hollywood Reporter. If you're talking about trades, like the the Hollywood Reporter's article was written by is it. A Boyce Kit, is that his name? Who's like quite quite a famous journalist, like pop culture journalist. The, the the these are really big trades, and I would I would be very surprised if they're writing stuff based on third, fourth hand information. I don't know, but that uh, James Gunn likes to say that the only two people that know what's happening is are James Gunn and Peter Safran. So. I that might be the problem at the moment. <laughs> Maybe that, you know they're not communicating 
with people. And so it's creating a vacuum that people are rushing into to fill. I don't, I don't think they owe, I don't, frankly, I don't think James Gunn and Peter Safran owe us new update daily updates on what they're doing with the DC universe. I kind of think for only being there for a month. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, you know, they haven't picked out their office furniture yet. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the next tweet. He's like, guys, I haven't even picked out my office furniture. Yeah. yet. I, I have no idea what's going to happen in the DC universe. You know what uh, James Gunn's wondering about now? Like, do I put the guardians poster on that wall or that wall? <laughs> He's like, I'm still deciding whether I want an, a MacBook or a windows computer. <laughs> Last week I was sure I was going French provincial, but now I'm thinking Cologne. <laughs> honestly like i do i think it's really fascinating actually having someone like james gunn be at the head of a, of dc studios you, you never have kevin feige uh react to uh, these articles on 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 twitter and um it does make it quite fun because anything anything that comes out about dc nowadays you i am literally just waiting for James Gunn to say something about it on Twitter. Because <laughs> he will do. The thing is that Feige knows how to capital, like the Marvel machine knows how to capitalize on all these rumors. Mm, yeah. Right. And these leaks and, you know, the purposeful leaks that they put out. They make a ton of, uh, they get a, f- a lot of free publicity for that. Yeah. They do. And I, I, I wonder whether James Gunn's approach is actually the wrong approach. Because. Uh, it, it spawns quite a lot of anger, like the the whole the um, the whole Justice League actors thing being recast that was in the Hollywood Reporter article got v- a lot of people very upset um, because yeah, you know, but every, every, anything he does, people get upset. Yeah, it's DC, you know. Yeah, but but, but I mean, it, from a marketing little... standpoint, he is making. Like this is getting article after article. Like true, what happened? Yeah. Den of Nerds said that oh he doesn't <laughs> like Henry Cavill, and then the guy doubled down. But like the Hollywood Reporter picked up on that. Screen Rant picked up on that. Mm. Right? Is it is it getting a lot of people angry, or is it getting vocal people angry? I think you that's, might that's you might have a point. Yeah, it's getting quite vocal people angry. Like, I I find it fascinating just trying to. I I like the fact that they're kind of trying to take it back to the beginning. And but it, it must. I mean, I, I think we mentioned this last time. It must be a complete headache because the DC, whatever it's called now, the DCEU or the DCU, is in such a mess. It doesn't even know what it's called. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, we know we know there's DC in there. Yeah. But we haven't figured out the other initials yet. So I, I think it officially is the DC Universe or the DCU now. Yeah. I, I I don't know, but. It, it like and then they've got these Matt Reeves movies. So and then this this article coming out about that they're like, oh, shall we introduce or kind of make a make Robert Pattinson's Batman part of our universe? It, I I, th- I wonder whether it's just like an offhanded comment from somebody inside Warner Brothers or DC, and then that got leaked to Variety, and then they wrote it. Right. Somebody said it at lunch in in the yeah. commissary. And somebody yeah. overheard it because the com- the commissary at Warner's is, you know, it, well, I, I would imagine James Gunn is eating in the executive dining room. But the, the, the commissary is, is a pretty big open area. And it's, it's pretty well known that people talk about stuff in the commissary that gets picked up. And it's just like somebody like, you know, uh, who, who cleans the toilets, you know, having their their turkey burger 
going, you know what they should do? Like, well, <laughs> that guy said something at this other table. It's, that's probably exactly that. It's the, it's the lunch lady or man uh, that's, uh, that, that said it to one person. And then somehow it got to a variety reporter. Right. And then right. they wrote it up. Right. But then the, the turkey burgers at the commissary are, are really top notch. If I, if I, <laughs> there you go. Thank you. I was going to make a turkey, burkey, turkey burger joke, but you brought it back full circle. The, so the, food, the it. food is, it's like a, it's like a huge cafeteria and the food is really good. That's all I'm going to say. You know, that, that's all I, I think I need to point out. <laughs> what was your favorite dessert? Oh, I, I didn't eat dessert there. Oh. Thanks. Uh, I'm I'm too roly poly to begin with. I don't I don't I don't need to you know add that on. Well, I, I suppose one of the other big things that came out was the whole Wonder Woman three being cancelled. Right, and then, and then right right on top of that comes the. By the way, she fucked us over with Star Wars too. Like it's like like well, like what a one two punch. Like like is is somebody out to get this woman? Well, this is this is the thing. Okay, so the, I don't, I'm not sure if you've heard what happens after that, Sean. Is that the the what the Hollywood Reporter article came out saying that the Wonder Woman had been cancelled and that Patty Jenkins walked away from the project? Right. Which is what they said. Patty Jenkins. Then then there were reports. So Jeff Snyder, who is a reporter of sorts, people like to call him an insider. I, I find him slightly irritating but um he, he he's, he's somebody that that gets a lot of scoops claims that patty jenkins was is a nightmare to work with right. is what he said he heard he also said that the rogue one movie had been cancelled uh because lucasfilm found her too difficult to work with and uncompromising and that apparently the script wasn't very good the same thing about the ones woman script uh, they gave her notes and apparently she sent them the executives a definite a link to the Wikipedia definition page for character arc, which I mean I think is fun. I think it's fantastic if that's true. I, then, well, I think I think it's fantastic, but also like like is Wikipedia really the source you want to yeah <laughs> you want to grab well, onto here? I, I I would I would then if I was a Warner Brothers executive, I would then say, well, Patty, you did write the script for Wonder Woman eight, 1984, which literally has your lead character rape a man. Um, but let's let's not let's not go into that. And but, and. That's not the most problematic part. Yeah, that's not the problem. <laughs> no, it was the parachute pants. They weren't accurate. <laughs> Honestly, no, but to be fair, like I said this, I was on another show last week when just after the article came out. It's yeah. like we we only got that one snippet from the emails with Patty yeah. Jenkins between right. the execs. We didn't get the whole daisy chain. We didn't get what led up to that. Well, here's a link to the, if that happened, here's a link to the character arc. We yeah. don't know what they said. We don't know how annoyed she was. Because, you know, like you've seen screenshots that I've sent you of emails that I've sent to like uh, people we're dealing with or whatever. And it can get pretty uh, frustrating, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and trying to be diplomatic and stuff. So just playing devil's advocate here, we don't know no, A, if that's true, or B, it probably is true, but what's the context in there? Yeah. That's the thing about all of these reports is we never get full context and it's always like a headline and then everyone re reacts off that, and then the masses just pile on to that one little soundbite, you know. Mm. 
it makes it easier to write about as well. It's like more, it's more sensationalist. Yeah. So, you know, right. that, that, that's what gets people to click on articles. Right. Uh, but the interesting thing I thought was that Patty Jenkins actually, she responded to the, the um, claims that she walked away from uh, One Woman 3 and that Rogue One was cancelled. She actually said Rogue One's still in active development. She said she never walked away from Wonder Woman 3. It, it, they just had a change of leadership and a change of direction with the character. She then went on to talk about how Gal Gadot's the best person in the world. And um, and it, it's, a, it, it's a fine response to it, especially considering a lot of what was said about her literally could end her career if if um because it's pretty bad i mean if you're if if you're known as someone that's difficult to work with in hollywood big studios might not want to work with you and she's already there there is a pattern that's emerging here with patty jenkins she walked off well she didn't walk off she left the thor was it the dark world she was going to dark direct world, that yeah. she she left that due to creative differences uh she then left supposedly wonder woman 3 because of something similar and then supposedly the Rogue One movie was cancelled because she wasn't, she just is very uncompromising. Rogue Squadron. Uh, Rogue Squadron, yes. Uh, honestly, the, that was that was a bit of a mess in itself. The fact they have a movie called <laughs> yeah. Rogue One and then they followed it up with a movie called Rogue Squadron. I was really excited for that film, and I do like I like Patty Jenkins. Um, I mean, Wonder Woman really, 1984, not so much. That's, that's not really like a Hollywood killer, though. Those three instances. I mean, like Christian Bale. Had, there's a recording of him, you know, yelling at the lights <laughs> guy. On yeah, yeah but, but but that was I I, I I don't know. I think we talked about this before, and I, I I think this is a guy who's under a lot of pressure. The movie's pretty much resting on his shoulders. Um, it, his career is going to be hurt by it, and the the cinematographer's career is not going to be hurt by it. And you walk on the middle of a set while someone's working to adjust a light. That's mm. it's kind of a shitty thing to do. I mean, yeah. Bale went over the top a little bit, but you know, it's it's kind of a shitty thing to do to an actor. Oh no, I no, I get it. I was just using examples how there's been so many reports of different actors and directors that are right. tough to work with. Well, unquote. right, but this is and three. This is kind of three, three in a row. I mean, that's, three in that's a kind of row, scary. like in what a decade. Yeah, 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 but they, they were they were for very big studios though, like Marvel Studios, Lucasfilm, Warner Brothers. It's like you can't get much bigger than that. And also, I think one of the reasons why Christian Bell was really angry was because he was working with a director called McGee. Um, <laughs> I mean, that was pretty bad. It's not Charlie's Angels, McGee. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, also, it's also like, you know, you're, with McGee, I think you're sort of left on your own to figure out your own character <laughs> arc and stuff like that. And, and I think McGee gives you the Wikipedia page for character arc when you're an actor and says, figure this out for me and call me when you're done. Yeah, he just had, he had the whole Terminator Wikipedia uh, entry printed out on set. <laughs> no, he just had the Dark Horse comics by Frank Miller. That's all he had. Yeah. But, but what do people think when they're, when they're working with a studio? I mean, going back to 1989, Tim Burton said, you know, there's, there's two sequences, I think in Batman that he really calls his own. Yeah. And the rest were things that were dictated by, the studio and Schumacher, you know, Schumacher got killed for the last Batman. And, and yeah. I would be willing to put money that, that 90% of that were studio decisions. Mm. Got to make that sell toys. But yeah. that, that, okay. that, there is a balance to be struck, I think. Yes. 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 And I, I think when you're working for a studio like Marvel or, or DC or, or Star Wars, you're, 
you're playing in their sandbox and the, they have all the toys and all mm. the rules. I mean, you're not, yeah. she's not, Patty Jenkins is a really good director. She's not John Favreau that, you know, you hand a whole thing to and say, do what you will. And then let John Favreau suddenly becomes not John Favreau anymore, but that's another podcast. <laughs> I, the, um, go on. they, there's people that like are saying, Oh, uh, Okay, so here's here's the question. Because you did Wonder Woman, right? Yeah. And it's it's good movie, right? Besides the third act, but you know, that's always the case. Third act, yeah, it was yeah. But people are always now they're saying online, I heard some chatter that oh, so do you really think uh, Zack Snyder shadow directed Wonder Woman? Uh yeah, I've heard I, I th he produced it. Um mm -hmm. and and I think he probably had quite a lot to do with the story development in the movie. I bet you that third, that third act was probably all Zack Snyder. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does feel that way, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I I think he probably had a lot to do. He was probably quite a hands-on producer because at the time it was it was a universe that I think he felt that he was building. Um, maybe maybe he had quite a lot of notes for Patty Jenkins, but also Patty Jenkins didn't write the script for that movie, did she? The the first script was it written by Jeff Johns? Uh, Jeff, yeah. Did, didn't didn't Alan Heinberg work on that, or did he work on the maybe. second one? I can't remember. But no, I no, it was it was Patty Jenkins. Jeff, oh, she did the story, and Jeff Johns did the story, and Dave Callahan did the screenplay. Yeah. Okay. So but Heinberg worked on eighty four. But the, the the thing is, I heard that Patty Jenkins had quite a lot to do with 1984's story. Like that was basically all her. Oh, you know what? Sorry, that was 1984. Yeah. So was, screenplay uh, by Jenkins, Johns, and Callahan. I don't think and she then, had much to do with the screenplay yeah, for the first Heim, film. Heim, Heim, I just looked the it up. First Heimberg, one. Heimberg is the screenwriter for the first one. Yeah, yeah. This he's is a, he's a good guy. I worked with him a little bit on uh, the Legion series. He's a, a really good guy and really talented. But one of one of my what a lot when I think of Patty Jenkins, I do think I I think she's a good director, not a very good story developer, scriptwriter. Um, because if you look at a lot of the projects that she ended up leaving supposedly, even though she says Rogue One's still happening, uh, a lot of the uh, rumors and reports are suggesting that studios just have copious amounts of notes for her when when she is developing a script, which is what they said about Wonder Woman. They said the uh, studio, this, uh, Warner Brothers actually sent the script back with tons of notes. And the same the same thing with Rogue, Rogue Squadron. So you do, you do wonder, it's like, is, is Patty Jenkins kind of, is she one of these people that just can't can't get to doesn't like the reality of the fact that you know people are telling her look maybe you should just stick to directing and let other people write the stuff that you're working on or I don't know it's just it's, well, do it's, you think Zack Snyder would like to hear that? Well, I think he needs to be told the same thing. <laughs> no, I, th um, I think I think he needs to go. We need to go deeper than character arcs with Zack Snyder. <laughs> I mean, I, I, wonder, I do wonder a bit with her, and um, I mean, I, ho I hope it, I hope the the reports aren't completely true about what happened because she does seem like a lovely person. You don't like to hear, you know, you don't want to hear about someone losing their job, and you don't want people to be vilified on, especially on Twitter, which happens a lot. Do you believe that um, Gunn and Saffron refused to even look at her treatment? 
Probably. That's a report too. Yeah. The, you have people uh, read it for them and then tell them their thoughts, right? Yeah, yeah. They won't be reading everything, but um, no. uh, I'm pretty sure they. I mean, I, you heard before James Gunn and Saffron came on board. You heard that one of Dave, uh, David Zaslav, the Warner Brothers Discovery CEO's big priorities were the the Trinity. So Trinity, yeah, yeah, Batman, yeah. Superman, and Wonder Woman. But that was at the point where they probably were still thinking that this Wonder Woman film was going to get made. So then you you wonder what's happening with Wonder Woman. Will Gal Gadot stay on? Will there be another movie? Will they just decide to recast everybody? I'm actually starting to think they might just decide to recast everyone um, and just start from zero. What do you well, guys think? They've gotten two out of it. It's like that's a good run for a a, a franchise in in anything except the last ten years. Yeah. Um. Um. I have no problem with Gail Gadot I, I, or her performances. I think, you know, um, she's not who I would have chosen originally, but I, I kind of like her as Wonder Woman. I like the whole sort of like world they've built for her. Um, I just wish that the the first one wasn't a redo of uh, Captain America, the first Avenger. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. And with, 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 with a, a, third, a third act that, yeah, the third act came from, uh, was a warm up for Justice League third act. Yeah. Um, so you know, I I wouldn't throw out the baby with the bathwater, but you know the way studios think, they're probably looking at her and going, "Well, she's getting old, you know." So she's, we need to get we need to get a new young Wonder Woman. Meanwhile, we're going to go back to the old uh, Ben Affleck Batman. <laughs> I well, think they should keep Godot. I really think they should. Yeah, and and, 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 and to be clear, I I kind of Ben Affleck is not one of the problems. I have with the the DC universe. I actually think he's a pretty good choice for Bruce Wayne and Batman. Yeah. Well, I've actually said this the whole time. I think those films are actually quite well cast. I, I, I think I like all of them. I don't think they were the problems with the DC extended universe. I think that it was just poor writing Yeah. ultimately for all of it. The one thing I would say is that these, we do know that these upcoming DC films, their budgets are going to be significantly lower than the ones they made before. One of the big problems with actors like Godot, Godot, Cavill, Affleck is they do not come cheap. Like Gal Gadot, right. I think she is the the highest paid actress of all time. I think she's. I think her contract was it for Cleopatra. She she's doing next is just is is the I think is the most expensive contract ever or something. I, I remember reading that a, a while ago. So she doesn't come cheap. I think it might be beneficial for them to recast just money wise. I think I think that might that might be what they're thinking. Yeah, I just looked up. She's getting uh, uh, she got twenty million for Red Notice. She's got yeah. ten million for Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. So she's up there. She she is definitely one of the highest paid actresses. Um, I think I think Robert Downey Jr. is still the highest. Was it Johnny Depp actually? Johnny Depp might have been the highest paid actor. I think I mean, we did this a couple time, a couple yeah, of yeah. episodes ago. Yeah. But it, it it I just think I think they're just getting too expensive. Uh, and I wonder whether they might want to start from scratch with probably lesser known actors, maybe to and and maybe that's also one of the reasons why they were looking at p potentially looking at bringing in uh, Robert Pattinson into the DCU because he he's a name, but he still comes a bit cheaper than Ben Affleck. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, and you can sign a con like like the problem with Robert Downey Jr. and and Depp was that they didn't sign them to long term contracts. They, mm. they signed Downey to three. 
and then had to renegotiate, which basically meant backing the money truck up to his Malibu estate. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and then he and, helped and, the rest of the Marvel actors with their negotiations yeah, afterwards. Yeah. yeah, and frankly, he was worth it. You yeah. know, I mean, I mean, because a lot of life has gone out of those movies without him. Yeah, it's true. And then to think that they were really not sure about him to begin with, whether they, I can't remember who they actually yeah. wanted, the actor that Marvel Studios wanted. Cruise was Cruise was attached for a while to was it Cruise? But that was before Kevin Feige took it to Marvel right. Studios. Though, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. The, there was an actor that they wanted. I can't. I don't think it was Tom Cruise. There was someone else. I can't remember. John Favreau was very much in the Robert Downey Jr. camp. Bill Hader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, DC's a bit all over the place at the moment. It's it's interesting because you can just look at James Gunn's Twitter to to see uh, you know what's really going on in quotation marks. Um, let, well, I suppose we're going to have to wait until like mid January to find out. I think that's when they're doing some sort of presentation, a big presentation to David Zaslav. Here you go, all with bells and whistles. Um, <laughs> I think they were giving the preliminary one this week or next so, week. Yeah, I they, heard they moved it up. Yeah. I, I heard something about January, but maybe they... Oh, yeah, they were, originally they said January, and then yeah. now that there's... I don't know if it's rumors or they uh, they said they're they, going to present a loose outline to Zaslav uh, before the end of the month. Yeah. That's what I heard. So. They're getting their decks ready. Is that, is that what's happening? They, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it'll, um, now, what, what it'll tell us if they're using PowerPoint or if they're bringing in big foam core posters. <laughs> They're using Google Slides. <laughs> you can you can hack them that way. They're making uh, proof of concept trailers, all from yeah. Marvel films. <laughs> there is a, a post that um, one of my uh, one of the artists on uh, Facebook that I'm I'm friends with. He wrote this. It just came out of the blue because he really doesn't talk about Zack Snyder. I wanted to read it to you guys and get your thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sean, you're paying attention. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. You're gonna you you get the friend of yours from Facebook. You're gonna read to us. You, want you don't have to repeat. Up. No, I just I see your head down <laughs> looking at your phone. So I'm just that's I'm, I'm saying a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> Zack Snyder is so effing fascinating. He's the perfect embodiment of the American zeitgeist, an amateur, derivative, unsophisticated, boorish filmmaker coming from an extensive background in making commercials, and just about every fruit of his career was a shameless ripoff of a previous. Massively influential piece of art that he more or less pretends to have understood. His genuinely well-intentioned approach to film as a primarily aesthetic, apolitical, ideological void art form is frankly baffling. He sits at a subliminal intersection of a preoccupation with tales of glory, a love of hyper-masculinity, single-minded pursuit of aesthetic, and a half-understood Nietzschean Ubermensch concept which constantly ends up expressing itself as an unmistakably fascist beast. <laughs> Yet he seems to be completely honestly unaware of this and kind of innocent in his inability to even grasp what he's creating. It's like he's channeling something beyond him. The man is a bumbling idiot savant making perfect fascist propaganda by complete, uh, complete accident. This is the de definitive microcosm of America's legacy. A really dumb guy having failed upwards by making a lot of people a lot of money, attempting to make the world a little brighter, absolutely unaware of the sheer havoc he is wreaking i think he has an i think he has an idea of what he's doing but i don't think he knows the all the implications of it so i mean the guy the guy's dream project is to do the make do a remake of the fountainhead 
you know, which, which, you know, if, <laughs> if, if you've got King Vidor directing and Gary Cooper in your lead and the Fountainhead still sucks, I, I, I don't know that you want to put Zack Snyder on the case. Actually, I think that was, that was a very well-written, thought-provoking um, essay on Michael Bay. You, you literally... <laughs> <laughs> You could, you could just change Zack Snyder to Michael Bay. It'd be the same. Uh, I, I except, agree. Except Michael Bay has made Pain and Gain, and Zack Snyder's not. Yeah, the people like people like to say that movie's good. Um, I'm still on the fence about that film. But um, <laughs> Zack Snyder is he's obsessed with um, he he's obsessed with like the male form. You get yeah. that in all his films. Uh, he's to me, I always just thought of him as a giant kid. Um, he's not he's not grown up. He he think he thinks he's playing with very lofty ideas and, and, and themes, but really it's all quite baseline. Like he you know, he was he, he thought he was the first person to ever think that, well, Superman's actually a god. Um yeah. <laughs> you know but I, Wait, I, I do I do, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I do think he's very earnest as well that's that's the thing I like about Zack Snyder I do think his his what I think that there's a lot of what in what your friend said that's I think is probably all true about him the fascism thing I'm not so sure about I'm going to be honest uh, I, 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 just, I, I, I don't think I he's just, aware of it I think, he, yeah. I think he's aware of uh, he's aware that he has ideas but he's not sure about all the implications of those ideas Mm. Uh, that's a good point i think that's what that quote was saying but yeah. I, I just actually messaged him to make sure that it was from him or he got it from some youtube video or something well what what i'm wondering is it might have actually come from a i i'm pretty sure i've heard a guy called robbie collins say exactly the same thing who's the he's the film critic for the telegraph very good film critic um and he said he i'm pretty sure he said something along those lines about Zack Snyder, but also it was more to do with why he loves Zack Snyder. Um, yeah, but I, I, it, honestly, well, it's below a very... he posted a, a YouTube video called the Zack Snyder video by Patrick H. Willems. Maybe so I'm not that. sure if it's from that, but that's why. But it is very well written. Whoever wrote yeah. it, very very well written, and 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 I I do agree with most of of that. I, I will say that. Um, I, I do think that Zack Snyder knows. It's not that he understands all the implications of his work, but I do think he has a little bit of an understanding. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I remember when when um, Batman versus Superman came out. Though my my main issue with Zack Snyder is all story related because I just think I, I like his stuff visually, but I always struggle with um, his storytelling. I don't think it's very good at all. Um, and I and I do wonder sometimes when they're coming up with the story of these movies, they're literally just there playing with figurines and going, let's just get them to do this. And yeah. then they're just, like, yeah. they're just acting yeah. out each shit. In in old Hollywood, he would have been a great second unit director. Yeah, which is the, how he the, started. Yeah, the second unit is the guy you send out to do all the action stuff while you're mm. doing the real movie. Yeah. Uh, on, you know. So I, that's what he is, and I and I don't think I agree with you. I don't think he has any. I don't think he has any idea of what a story is. Mm. I don't think he knows what what character arcs are, and the, some of the, the choices he makes. And I'll I'll go back to this, and I will die on this hill. If if Batman's so smart, why does he make a fucking kryptonite spear? <laughs> right. 
because it looks cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's so exactly that's right. It's, it's 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 not what makes sense here. It's like what would be cool. <laughs> and you're right. It's like like a bunch of kids playing with action figures. Yeah. And that and there's a certain obviously there's a certain part of the audience that becomes really passionate about that because it's just the cool parts and you don't have to worry about any of that emotional crap. Yeah. Mm. You know, and it's it's perfect for an audience of 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 emotionally stunted adolescent perpetually adolescent males who have <laughs> these bizarre power fantasies that that Rorschach's the cool guy because he broke somebody's fingers. <laughs> You're stuck in here and with me. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, and, I, and and I'm saying that as the as the product of 20 years of therapy. So <laughs> <laughs> now Snyder got together with Jim Lee, right? And you know they plotted out and, his and whole an, arc. another another genius in terms of character and story. Why didn't they get Denny O'Neill? Why didn't they get Denny O'Neill to oversee the stories? Why you do know? you think? <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's because he's, it. he does all that boring stuff. <laughs> yeah, what character? But I mean, like <laughs> that's what makes the 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 Dark Knight Returns so good is because it was over oversawn right. by like right. the editors. Right. I went in to talk to a story editor who will remain nameless, but it wasn't on any of the, the Warner Brothers stuff. It was on one of the Marvel shows. And the, the first words the guy said to me is, I don't want any of that Batman story shit. I want explosions and crap happening. <laughs> and that that's what I think about whenever we, we talk about stuff like this. I want explosions and crap happening. <laughs> None of that boring Batman stuff. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Sounds about right. Did he uh, live in like a... a on a house on a big hill that was kind of like Wayne Manor. Yeah, and and, and he was ha he was having uh, all the treasures of Europe uh, brought in along with his sled rosebud. <laughs> Does he like to wrestle like his writers <laughs> and everything? He, he loves gladiator movies. <laughs> the initials uh, on a, JP. Unironically. Un, un <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, Timmy, do you like gladiator movies? <laughs> So, given all of this, uh, all this, you know, we, we've we've been pretty uh, not nasty is not the wrong word, but pretty. Well, I can't think of the right word right now. But um, we've been dicks <laughs> yeah. of, of Zack Snyder's work. But are you are you looking forward to Rebel? Well, you Rebel guys movie? have. I haven't said one opinion about him. I know. No, actually, I know James that you you did like his. Um, I liked it as well. Actually, uh, the his Justice League. Um, I thought yeah, that I, I thought that that's was only like one that I can like watch, maybe once a year, once every two years, maybe every three years for me. I think and like <laughs> uh, I can go back if five, I had to five, and like watch a scene minutes, or two. But five minutes into it, I pulled the ripcord on that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just pretty. It was it was good to watch, but yeah, um, no. But I do agree with you that like he really needs help with the stories yeah. and his scripts, right? But he tends to get. Was it Chris Terrio? to come in and help him but and I, and I wonder if he's just the same because um he he did do some good stuff early on in his career but wrote argo yeah he wrote argo didn't he yeah, and yeah. It, yeah. which is which um if has is if enjoyable film but does have its problems mainly casting ben affleck in the lead but i think they were the actual the, the actual real life guy i think was mm, of Mexican descent, wasn't he? <laughs> I can't remember. No, um, I, I, I well, like the, Affleck the problems, in that, actually. Yeah, Affleck was good in Argo, and everyone's like, you don't think, because remember when he got cast as Batman, everyone's like, he's not a good Batman. They always oh, pointed everyone to Argo, because he's playing dual personalities, and um, 
And I think the other one was not the shootest, but um, some secret agent movie. Look, yeah, Argo was good. Oh, but the um, the accountant, the accountant, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but Argo you know, was look, good, but it was the Canadians who did most of it. But they Americanized that movie. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Except for Jack Jack Kirby. Um, <laughs> look, you know, here's the thing: is like these guys will go and like. Uh, they'll work on Argo and it'll be Ben Affleck going, I really want to make a really good movie and I've got a lot of power and I'm going to make this movie the way I want it to. And then you're going to go into the studio working on uh, a superhero film like uh, Justice League, which is all about the franchise. It's all about the merchandising. It's very little about the movie. And someone's going to say to you, we're going to pay you. I don't, I don't know. I'll just pull, just pull a number out of the air. We're going to pay you a quarter of a million dollars to work on this script and pretty mm. much what you're going to do is you're going to take dictation from the executives. Yeah. You know, so do you want that quarter million dollars or are you, are you going to, you know, and then hold out to do another Argo or are you going to walk away from that? That's mm. the question for people. And Patty Jenkins apparently is, is comfortable with walking away from it, which, which I have some respect for, but I also like, well, what did you think you were getting into? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, Argo that's, was that's his a first good point. screenplay too. Pistarius. Argo was his first screenplay too, yeah. and then yeah. he went on to do Batman v Superman. Oh, but that's a good the, point he, about Jenkins. That's it is so, a good point. Like, is does the rule still exist? You think that you do one for Hollywood, then do you one for yourself? I yeah, I, it should, but I don't think it does. Like, I don't yeah. think enough people care about that, and I don't think the mechanisms are there anymore. I've just. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but I made a short film, and I've been, <laughs> I've been looking at like what the next what the next steps did for me in my career are after doing that to sell it, and the, especially with the pandemic, the whole independent film thing is just up in the air. Like nobody mm. knows how the fuck we're going to distribute these things, how these things are going to get made. So who's going to make those smaller films now? You can't sure, talk yeah. a studio into anything under a hundred million dollars. They don't think it's worth their time. They literally say we don't think it's worth our time to make a movie mm. like that. It's uh, it's it's problematic. I was talking to my brother about it yesterday um, about the the fact that literally in the last three what two to three to two years there hasn't been like a genuinely like that. I really feel like the kind of lower budget films because of the pandemic, we're just kind of completely gone. They were kind of going that way before as well because of the Hollywood studio system. Like the the mid-budget film is gone, doesn't mm -hmm. exist anymore. It's, it's, you don't see movies be made for $50 million anymore. Like, like I mean, I, I can think of some of my favorite films of all time were, were made on shoestring budgets. And now it's just like... Like, look, what's coming out now? Avatar, the way of the way of water, whatever the hell it's called. But water is the way, or I got got no idea. Uh, and and I, everything I've heard about that film is it looks beautiful, but the story's crap. <laughs> right. And and, and it's, it really seems to me as though that is what is happening to the Hollywood system. It's like these films don't have any story; they're just all spectacle. Yeah. No. It's it's That's really disappointing. Other and, countries and, for films. South and, and Korea is making a lot of really good films. Yeah, China, Japan, like that's pretty much what all I've been watching like the last year is uh, South Korean and and Asian films, and Australian you, too. Even in the old, uh, have you seen Mystery Road, the Australian movie that turned into a TV series? No, I haven't. No. It's it's awesome. It's awesome. It's about an indigenous detective. 
they're they're terrific. Who's who's not really accepted by the white people. He's not really accepted by the indigenous people. So he's just like this man alone. It's like a tradition, real traditional American uh, uh, lone wolf story, but sort of told in Australia with uh, with the cultural uh, implications of of Australia. So it's really fascinating. Uh, but even in the old days with the old American studio system, you made stuff that was just big spectacle crap like mm -hmm. Ten Commandments, but they still worked the story out pretty well. Yeah. Or Ben-Hur, yeah. you know. Um, and now they just don't even seem to care about that. And I don't think there's anybody there who knows what a story is. Mm. And also, those movies were always supported by the lower-level films. Yeah. yeah. You know, you could, you could risk this because you had all these movies that you were made specifically to turn a profit. Mm. And they don't do that anymore. They, they talk about, um, you know, they'll start, well, it's about, 10 years ago, I was in a meeting and they were saying the $6 million movie doesn't make any sense because we have to spend 40 million to um, market it. To market it. So why yeah. would, we, you know, why don't we make, why don't we spend 40 million on a $40 million movie to market it? And I'm like, mm. I, you know, I, I only had high school business, but <laughs> to me, it seems like 46 million is less of a risk than 80 million. You oh, yeah. guys know more than I do. Maybe my math is off. Well, I think there's one studio there's one studio that still does the mid-budget film, low to mid-budget film, which is... Um, A24. A, well, A24 does, but the other one I think it was Bloom, uh, Blumhouse, Blumhouse yeah. Productions. Yeah. And they, they, I think they kind of nailed it. Um, you know, that, that was actually... The last film I saw at the cinema before the pandemic hit was uh, their, the, their version of The Invisible Man, which was directed by Lee Winnell, which I thought was terrific. And that was done for very little money. It was one of their most expensive films, but I can't, I can't remember the um, the actual budget. Right. But but I was like, this studio, and now they're doing a lot of stuff with um, Amazon. Amazon, I think they're doing like lots of m small budget films and just releasing them on there. But they kind of were able to make these films for nothing, literally market them for nothing. All they would do was they would hold screening screenings of these films and just film the audience. Right. And the audience, they'd be like, it's the most terrifying film I've ever seen. Very, very good marketing technique. It's easy to do with horror, though. It is, it's but this is the thing. To, yeah. yeah, horror is very easy, easy to do with to like detective stories yeah. or dramas or crime thrillers. I do think there have been some very good horror films uh, that have come out in the last couple of, uh, couple of years. Smile is one that came out this year that I really, really loved. And that was a smaller budget um, horror movie. And, and I, I do... I do see, I, I see like horror being the genre where actually there's a lot of like interesting things happening. There, there still are the lower budget films. Um, you, you see all those, honestly, a lot of horror films I watched in the last couple of years, there is story development in there. And then I was thinking about, because I have to do like the best 10 films of the year for small screen. And I was like, I, I don't know if I can do it because I don't think I can come up with 10 <laughs> movies that I've watched this year that I've really enjoyed. Everything um, Everywhere All at Once is a good example of a low-budget film. That's yes, yes. With I, hate, good story I, I hated it, though. Did you really? <laughs> I, really wow. I, I, just, I just watched it last night. I, I just could not stay on board with the film. Uh, I think wow. I just... I, I watched... I watched it, and maybe maybe it's because I watched it in a cinema where you could just tell people weren't enjoying it. But I really liked parts of the film, but then I was a bit like, some of it, I just it just went a bit too far for me. Everybody told me that that you had to see it in a, in a cinema, 
Yeah, or I else did. you wouldn't yeah. really understand it. And I saw it on on the big screen TV last night, and I I enjoyed it. I think they had I had some problems with the the whole mother daughter thing not really being explored as well as it could. But that I, I, I know people who say, how could you make that movie for only twenty five million dollars? And I'm like, I don't I don't see how they spent twenty five on it. You know, yeah. I hope I hope Michelle Yeoh got a big payday because she's one of my favorites. I think it's full of full of incredible moments and performances. Yeah, uh, there was the one bit where it's just the, the two rocks when it's the mother and daughter's rocks. So I was a bit like, this is going too much into um, two thousand one, a space odyssey uh, kind of uh, realm for me. But and I loved uh, how they paid that off too. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah. But I could really feel like the crowd, the people around me, were really not enjoying the movie. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they were just sitting there and like an awe and spectacle. Mm, there was a lot of yawning. <laughs> very, a lot of people going, oh. <laughs> people maybe, looking at their watch. That's, that's, audi- that's really strange. An because... audience of stressed dogs yawning <laughs> yeah. to relieve their stress. No, but that's that's strange because the film was so well done and, and that, that's a prime example of uh, maybe because it came out months ago and then it's just in the theaters now. There's an extended run. Uh, I watched it a couple of months ago. Oh, you watched uh, a couple. Uh, yeah, Sorry, it was Sean. You said yeah. you watched it. Yesterday. I just watched it. I just saw it last night. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I but I think that's a good. I think it's a good example of, you know, how you can make a, a pretty sophisticated film, whether you like it or not, whether the story hits or not. It's a fairly sophisticated story with yeah, a, it's really sophisticated visually, and you don't spend a fuck ton of money on it. I used to do a lecture when I was teaching on. Uh, uh, comparing uh napoleon dynamite to superman returns with how much money was spent on it and how much profit was made and you know superman returns cleared like three million dollars profit on a 200 some odd million dollar investment and napoleon dynamite cleared 40 million dollars profit on a a, a, like a 1.2 million dollars investment now what business do you want to be in (laughs) it's very true uh, and they're not uh, horror films. Everything, uh, everywhere, all at once. Napoleon Dynamite. They're not horror films, you know. But they are no. kind of genre films. That, yeah, yeah well, I think it's genre films is something that, yeah. that where you can. Still... Genre, genre films will always be the the mid to low budget films. Yeah, right. right? And in Edward, you said earlier yeah. they're not really making those. Studios that really aren't making those genre films anymore. It's either the big tent poles, or we're going to get Spielberg directing Tom Hanks, or you know something that they know for sure is going to put seats in the theaters. Mm. Right? Yeah, I always. And that's why to... I think you should go to um, other countries to view those uh, mid to low budget genre right. films, right. like The Rover, twenty fourteen, with Guy Pearce and Robert Pattinson. That was a great film. Yeah. Um, you got the roundup that just came out this year with uh, Don Lee and the guy from Train Busan, Train to Busan. Yeah. Yeah. That's a sequel to The Outlaws, which is good. You have um you have the Donnie Yen films, the martial arts, another genre, but uh, the Johnny Toe films in China. Um what am I watching? I was watching something from Japan. I th- that was really interesting. I thought it was good. Yeah. But but see that we're so focused on north american hollywood system because it's the biggest and loudest right and yeah. it's got the lineage of all the decades right um, well so when everyone talks about how like you're talking to my friend and he's always like we're do you agree with tarantino we're living in the worst decade for films i'm like yeah in, in north america if you think about it well if you want to view it that way but if, if you, you begin view the whole said, worldwide 
then no, we're not living in the worst decade. If you begin any sentence with, do you agree with Tarantino? You pretty (laughs) much can guarantee my answer is no. Uh, There's also, you know, there's, there's uh, a company called American high and they produce five or six uh, R rated high school comedies a year. And, you know, they, they're sort of following the Blumhouse model. And I always, you know, I wanted to pitch a, a company that did genre films, but just not horror films in the Blumhouse model. And everybody's mm-hmm. like, well, that only works for horror. But apparently it works for other things because American High is doing these, these you know, comedies and making money at it every year. So mm-hmm. are we getting back into the grindhouse age? But where are they showing them? That's the that's the mm-hmm. question. Yeah. You know, there, there are Streaming, any grindhouses. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, well, well pr- probably one of... But I mean... Sorry, but I mean like grindhouse age, like yeah, yeah. Are we getting into that that era now where like we'll have the big, huge Hollywood studios, and then these small production companies will put out, you know, like the R-rated high school comedies, the horror films. Then we, I mean, we do kind of have those direct-to-video action movies, but they really suck. They suck. They're not enjoyable. Well, there's 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 companies like the Asylum, and and God bless them for what they've done, and you know they've they've got the sci-fi network pretty much sewn up with their movies with Sharknado yeah. and shark thing like that. And God bless them. But I always wonder like, don't you want to do a really good one? But yeah. you know, People really like those movies. Yeah. People really feel emotionally invested in them. And it's just like, wow, could you have those resources? You could really like probably knock something out of the park too. Yeah. Just go watch movies by Milky Way LLC or big punch productions. It's Chinese and South Korean films. That's all you have to do. And then you'll get your good films fix again. Uh, there's a film that I really, really want to see, which I'm a bit scared to, which is the film that kind of, I, I think it's quite interesting. This film, uh, there was a lot of buzz around it, was Terrifier 2. It was the Damien Leone film, the um, the horror the clown, film. Art the Clown. Horror, horror film with Art the Clown in it, which apparently has had people vomiting and passing out in the cinema. <laughs> Very long horror film. It's like two and a half hours long. <laughs> My brother watched it and he said he, he watched it with my dad. He got my somehow got my dad to watch it with him. I don't know how that happened. And my dad, my dad said that was the most harrowing three hours of my life. It's like worse than your birth. It's so, <laughs> but I've never seen so much blood in my life and I never want to see anything with Roberts again. But there, um, yeah, there was some movie when I was in junior high that I remember the radio advertisement. So radio was a thing we had when <laughs> I was young and that's it, how you learned, heard new music. But I remember yeah. the, it was called Mark of the Devil or something like that. And and I remember that the, the radio ads were that this movie is so horrifying that we're giving out barf bags with every ticket sold. Yeah. Mm. Well, every decade they have a movie like that. Like they said the same thing with Psycho, you know, yeah, they, yeah. Oh, people are passing out in the theater. People are walking out. It's, it's good PR, but um, no, we did a video on our small screen channel. If you want to watch it on YouTube about Terrifier 2, yes, go ahead. Uh, Plum did watch it. He said that it was good. He liked the first one better. Um, yeah, but to get full context, said, like yeah. to watch the first one. Yeah, there are lots. I think there are a couple of films in the series now, and he, he it made so much. It was made for nothing. Literally nothing, and it made ended up making a yeah. But it's so money. easy to do that with horror, man. Yeah, so but it, you say that, but there are a lot of horror films that don't make any money at all and have very little buzz. Is that yeah. there is something in 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 getting people excited about this sort of thing and get in actually getting people to go to the cinema to watch them as well is quite impressive. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Right. You have to find someone who's going to distribute it, though. And that that's like mm. the real trick. You know, it's yeah. not necessarily making the movie. It's finding somebody who's going to distribute it. Yeah. And and not just like put it on Amazon and promise that we'll get you prime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but th- this is the thing. This year, I think, is is really fascinating because a lot of the films that I think are I would put higher up in my list are, are films that aren't made by big studios. And I think it's I. I Apart from maybe Top Gun Maverick, which I think is is still actually a really well made film, um, I think a lot of the the big tentpole films this year really underperformed for me. I, I thought was it Thor: Love and Thunder? I thought was really disappointing. Um, I did not care for what was the other one. I thought Lightyear wasn't very good, which was like Disney's kind of one of their tentpole films. I thought Jurassic World Dominion was terrible. Um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was all right it wasn't brilliant it's a 1950s b-movie sci-fi film yeah literally right, right. it needed yeah. ray Mil- it needed ray Milland to really be great it needed more of sam raimi to be great to be honest there wasn't mm-hmm. enough sam raimi in that movie apart from the batman i did not i did not really like any of the tentpole films that came out this year like the batman and, and top gun maverick oh, and black I, adam yeah black adam was all again it's fine it's like I was expecting I was expecting expecting it to be worse than it was. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I came out of it being like that was fine. It's you know I enjoyed yeah. it. I thought it was a good yeah. summer blockbuster in the uh, Yeah. Yeah. So true. so the here's the question. Was great. Here's 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 an interesting question. Are these movies just this bland or are we spoiled now and we've seen enough really good superhero films that the bar is raised for us. That's what I, I wonder about. Because I saw, Sh- I saw Shazam, and uh, you know, I was a huge original Captain Marvel fan, and I walked away going from the movie going, "Yeah, it's okay." Yeah, didn't piss me off. Really, I really enjoyed Shazam. I thought it was a a, a nice family superhero film that you know it was enjoyable. It was fun, and. um you kind of brought real, me back to you're sounding when I was really up. enthusiastic. You're really it. selling it. That's that, that's the marketing <laughs> right there. <laughs> I always sound enthusiastic. What are you talking about? But like, I'm looking because uh, I've got I've got my letterboxed open up right now where I see I I do reviews of all the movies I've seen and it's like a diary thing, and it looks like my favorite film of the year based on my reviews is The Minion Rise of Gru. <laughs> <laughs> Which I adored that film. I thought it was hilarious. I haven't laughed so much at the cinema in a long, long time. I have I have a soft spot for the minions. I don't know why. I I, I agree with you hundred like <laughs> yeah. percent. Like I don't like those movies, but as soon as they start talking that nonsense, like I'm yeah. there. I'm, it's and hilarious. It, it's a French film. They're French films. Yeah, they're made yeah, they're made in yeah. Paris. Yeah. Um so yeah, that, that's that's and then I quite liked Bullet Train. That that was that was the other film that, that I watched fun. this really? year that I thought was quite fun. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see it, Sean? No, we were talking. We were actually talking about watching it the other night. With, oh. It's, it's with, fun. With it's Ma- a fun Megan, film. Megan and her mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about watching it. Watch it. It's they don't really make movies like that much anymore. Or I if they do, I, it's they don't have that kind of caliber. Yeah, like you get something like Gorilla Milkshake, or um, Shoot 'Em All with Clive Owen. Like that's the kind of caliber that you expect now when they make these kind of films. But Bullet Train. Um, had that more polished quality and mm-hmm. uh it, like if kind of like if what you're expecting to go see from a rodriguez or tarantino film that kind of vibe 
but you, you're, um, not, actually, you're not you're not selling it no, to me well you're gonna let me guys. finish but <laughs> go ahead no no I go ahead getting no it's fine I've, i'm good go ahead no that's all i had to say it's just you're not you're not selling it with those guys well i wasn't done selling it but yeah okay i was trying to get the vibe. anyway let's move on next topic okay uh what, what is it? i'm just trying to think what is the next topic that wasn't a topic we agreed on but it was an interesting one um i i suppose we can talk a little bit about marvel um and the fact that um, John Krasinski said he is not playing Reed Richards, uh, that it was a one-time thing. <laughs> Are you happy about that? Yes, I'm very happy about that. <laughs> was he not meant to be Reed Richards then? I, I, I admit that I have, a, um, I have a prejudice against him just because of the character on The Office. <laughs> once, once someone pointed out that Jim was just bullying a an autistic guy for five seasons i'm like oh i can't hack this anymore mm. yeah that's true yeah uh but i spent like i was never expect expecting him to be reed richards in the fantastic four film um i, I mean i always saw it as a one-off thing apparently he said that he he was talking about it he said he'd literally just finished uh shooting was a riot jack ryan in Budapest and Kevin Feige said, do you want to come over to LA to play in the Marvel sandbox with us for a day? And he was like, I'm on the plane now. So he, he literally went over there for a day, filmed, shot it, was turned into spaghetti. Uh, and then that's it. That's, that's going to be the end of him as Reed Richards. This fantastic four film. I actually think a lot is riding on this film. Uh, Cause if it's not good, we've had what three terrible fantastic four films. Right. Um, if if it's if it's not good, it could really be. It could it could be the it could be it could be doom for for Marvel Studios because I think that's the future of the MCU. I think the Fantastic Four is going to lead the MCU into some sort of new future, and it's something that Kevin Feige's wanted to bring to the MCU for a very long time. So they need to get the casting spot on, and I do not think John Krasinski is the right uh, man for that job. I don't know if you, if you agree with me. Oh, yeah, I, I agree 100%. I don't know who is. I know a few years ago I would have been all behind Bruce Greenwood, but I don't think ah. anybody, anybody's going to go for him as Reed Richards now. Um, uh, my kid Connor Back and I came in his Star up. Trek days, definitely. Mm. Oh, yeah. that's right. I forgot he was on that. So I knew him from John, and, from, John from Cincinnati. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm a huge Bruce Greenwood fan, but I mean, like, when he was in the new Star Trek films, like, he... He would have been uh, perfect for Reed Richards. Yeah, he would age. have been. Yeah. Right. There's there's a scene from uh, this is this is my nerd out. Uh, there's a scene from John from Cincinnati in the first episode where he and Rebecca De Mornay, who are playing these these um, surfers uh, in their 40s, come out of the water carrying surfboards and they're in skin tight wetsuits. And I'm like, oh well, that's Reed and Sue. Let's <laughs> let's 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 just paint the suits blue and get the cameras going. Yeah, I mean that that would have been that would have been really good actually. That that's a really good shout. I think they're going to cast younger. Yeah. Um. I I, I have a feel. I quite like uh the guy the the guy from the Netflix series You. Um. That I've heard a lot of people talking about that guy. I can't remember his name now. Um. I I honestly think it's going to be someone that not many people know. Um. I think they they're they're going to cast someone young that they can keep around for a while. Um, because otherwise it's like, how do you answer the question? What on earth have the fantastic four been doing if they've been established this whole time? 
Oh, oh, I uh, my my kid Connor and I figured that out. Oh, go on then. <laughs> they've been they've been trapped in the negative zone since 1969. Okay, well that, that would work. That that and would then, work. And when re, when when they show up again, it's because Annihilus is is breaking his way through into our world, or or Ant Man frees them. Right. Or yeah. Or in the uh, what should I call it? The the quantum realm. Quantum realm. Yeah. Yeah. That could that could be something that they're planning for that. I mean, I've, we don't know. It seems as though that film was brought right back to square one after John Watts left the project. So now they've got the WandaVision director, Matt Shank, Shackman, Shackman, I think his name is, directing it. We've just got to wait and see for that. I'm just quite, I'm, ha- I'm happy that uh, John Krasinski isn't going to play Reed Richards because I don't think he was right for the role anyway. Uh, I thought he was a bit weird in uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree 100%. I thought that was um uh, it just didn't feel right. I mean, no. everybody else felt okay in that, but but he just felt like he was stepping in from an, a different movie universe, yeah. which maybe so was what they were planning. But, it was just so but, fast. I think that's why. Yeah, it was yeah, it was kind of, "Hey, I'm here." <laughs> it's like, "Okay, fine." I think it's a good one one and done thing. Yeah. Yeah, it, I guess they were saying fans really wanted him but i don't see yeah how. It's, it's fan casting that's what it was though because online there's so much there was so much like him as reed richards and um um what's up his wife emily blunt as susan Storm. yeah 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 i i actually didn't hate the cast of the fox fantastic four movies no I mean, me neither didn't, didn't think chris evans was really right for johnny storm but i i I, and I'm sorry, I cannot pronounce the guy who played Reed Richards. The Welsh but, guy. Welsh <laughs> name, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I kind of liked him as Reed because he's sort of like, you know, uh, uh, baffled by his own brilliance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I thought they were quite... I also didn't mind the cast for the for Fan Forstick, um, which is how I like to call it. Uh, the, the, jo- the Josh Trank one, I thought that was all oh, right, that color. cast. Miles Teller as um, as Reed Richards, uh, Michael B. Jordan, yeah, and who was oh it? yeah, it wasn't Rooney Mara. It was the it's Kate Mara, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Kate Mara, yeah. Susan Storm, and uh, I can't remember who played Ben Grimm. It's it's an English the, actor. the big big British guy who yeah. like had Billy, his part cut off. Billy Elliot, uh, he <laughs> played Max, Billy Max, Elliot. Max Landis is that no? Him? No, he wrote God, it. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to look up the cast now. No, uh, I can't remember his name, but um, yeah, I mean, if it, if if it kind of goes all, all goes to pots, I'd be a bit I'd be a bit worried. I, I don't think it will. I think they've, I think they'll cast unknown actors. Um, what else? Krasinski is Reed Richards. To be honest with you, yeah, it's just really like short. Yeah, but but I mean, like, pin his ears back a bit. That's all he's, you have to do. Goofy. And then he's goofy looking. That's his problem. Yeah, he looked really goofy, but I think yeah. it was just the ears and like his yeah. nose. But they wanted to bring that elasticity to his face, kind of like they've done in the comics for um, the uh, elongated, elongated man. man. Yeah, Ralph Dibney. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they do that. They make his nose pretty um, yeah. accentuated and large. His so nose twitches whenever there's a mystery. Every time it smells a mystery, yeah. Yeah. Right. I think that's all the Marvel stuff we have. There's not much Marvel stuff going on at the moment. <laughs> well, what what about uh, the uh, across the Spider Verse trailer? Yeah, that's right. Oh, I watched that for yes. the first time today. 
I heard fans were a bit disappointed by that. I thought it looked quite good. I was a bit disappointed. It looks good, but it just seems kind of like meh. Too many Spider-Men and women. Well, well, I would have liked to have gone back and revisited the the five or six that were in the first one instead before we start adding a whole bunch of others. Mm. Yeah, but do we know, like, it's such a short trailer because, like, half the trailer is just scenes from the first film. Like, this could just be one scene in the movie that's 20 minutes. And then yeah. the whole movie is exactly yeah. what you're talking about, Sean, right? Like, Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Like, I watched that trailer. I'm like, oh, okay, it doesn't, we really don't know what's going on. How big is this scene? They're going to chase Miles through whatever multiverse compound they're all hanging out. And, but I don't think that's the whole movie. If it sets up the movie, then, yeah, then they're just going to focus on more characters, more Spider-Man. But I'm hoping it's like what you said, that they just focus on the other ones we were introduced to in the first film. So but I the, thought the trailer looked good. The Spider-Man that Oscar Isaac's playing is he's Spider-Man twenty nine. Is he? Two, he's got a number. Twenty ninety nine. Twenty ninety nine. Is that it? So I I think that's going to be a very small part of the film, like that that whole thing, him chasing him around. Well, you don't? yeah, that I, that I believe will be small, but I think Spider-Man twenty nine will be playing a big part. Oh yeah, he'll be playing a big part in it. Yeah, but I think that him chasing him and all that will be kind of over within the first half of the film. Or uh, that part that's the beginning of the third act. Maybe. Right? Because why are they chasing Miles? Like and then well, he's they're like she's like, We trusted you, we're supposed to be the good guys. Yeah. You know? So I do wonder whether because a lot I've heard a lot about is it the spot is supposed to be the the villain in this film? So I want they then they've shown nothing of him. Yeah. So, so yeah. I think there's quite a lot to this film that we don't like. We have no idea what's coming, which I like. Yeah, I, I like that too. But to me, the natural idea is is uh, Miles and Peter B going to the other universes instead mm. of them all coming to the Miles's universe. That yeah. seems like the natural one and gives us a chance to because it, it you know Nicholas Cage's. Uh, spider-man noir see kind of <laughs> kind of sad and kind of out yeah. of place and like i wanted to know what was go- going on with this guy <laughs> he's 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 noir that's that's what's going that's, on that's right that's right he's, but he's, he's in the trailer do they show any of them coming to miles morale's world apart no. from spider gwen no yeah so it's all just like they're in that multiverse hub yeah yeah which is all a web isn't it i mean it's like a web yeah because <laughs> yeah. it's kind of clever web it's clever yeah. how they they tied web into spider-man i never yeah. would have thought seeing that coming <laughs> I, I i think it looks good i, I like uh was it lord and miller for it the the two guys that directed the first one I think they're this. yeah, yeah I, I like them i think i think that they'll do a good job with this i was underwhelmed by the trailer for the first one and i i, I found the movie the kid and i went to the movie just because there was nothing else out at that time and i mm. found it really delightful yeah yeah probably one of the best best spider-man films actually yeah like best story yeah i thought it would be okay when i first saw the the trailer for the first one too and then yeah. i just happened to catch it i'm like damn this is good yeah yeah, yeah. no i liked it i liked it um winding down i think uh actually one one last thing before we go um what did you hear sean anything about the 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 supposed batman beyond um live action movie that's been cancelled yeah that it that that's one of the things they they had signed keaton for yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted to get your thoughts on that and uh, what what a Batman Beyond film would look like. <laughs> I think that to begin with, that um, if I were them, I would want to exploit Keaton as Bruce Wayne a little bit more before I, I turned him into broken down Bruce Wayne, unless something mm-hmm. happens in these next few movies. Um, um, he just seems too vital now. Um, uh, I, I think it's a good idea to do a Batman Beyond movie, but the franchise has moved to a lot of places without me since then. So I'm not sure what source material they would really use because the, the comic has done a whole bunch of things that I don't think we ever thought about doing or that mm. you know, we probably couldn't do because of children's television. Um, I would prefer to see Keaton do a, a straight Dark Knight adaptation before he did a Batman Beyond, like old broken down Bruce Wayne mm. story. I think okay. that would be a that would be a smarter move. I think um, Batman Beyond should exist like fifty years in the future. Yeah. So I I I don't know about that approach to it. When 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 they were first talking about doing a Batman Beyond live action movie. The two choices for Bruce were um, the two top choices were Clint Eastwood first because he's got that relationship. He had that relationship with Warner's for mm. so long, and Paul Newman. Yeah, um, and I was the only one in the room saying Paul Newman's the better choice. Neither's a bad choice, but Paul Newman's clearly the better choice. <laughs> um, but those just struck me as, as much older people than Keaton is now. And I yeah. guess maybe he's the age they were then. But um, I just, just just seeing the interviews with him, he just seems too like vibrant and too yeah. up to be, you know, and yes, it's acting, but I just, it just doesn't feel right to me at this time. He needs a couple, a couple more years before he can play. Uh... Yeah. I, yeah. I, and, and I know what I'm saying doesn't make logical sense. But it just doesn't feel right to me mm. at this time, and I I don't know why. I think you know, uh, there's more to do before we start going to Batman Beyond. But you know, they love that character, and they that you know they they see the all the different toys and stuff that's never been made before. So, yeah, Michael Keaton's like 71, right? He's in I his 70s. So. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he doesn't seem like it though. If you saw the 60 no. Minutes interview with him last year. He seems like he's in his 40s or 50s. I mean, he looks, yeah. you know, old, but he's really vibrant and move. I mean, there was that great interview. That 60 Minutes interview was great because they asked him, "Did you ever think about putting the suit on again?" He goes, "Oh, we've done that. Yeah, that that, <laughs> that, that, that that's already done. Sorry, that's in the next movie." <laughs> I'm I'm really worried that they're just gonna get rid of it all. Like that's what I'm really worried. I really really want to see Michael Keaton back as Batman. That was the one thing that was really exciting me about seeing like but the Batgirl film, seeing the Flash movie, seeing Aquaman 2. I was like, they're bringing Keaton back in a big way, which is great. And now mm-hmm. they've just, that was one of those plans that was started over at Warner Brothers before the merger with Discovery. And I thought that was the one thing they got right. And now they're scrapping it. Right. Well, hopefully they're like, well, if we're going to bring Keaton back, let's do it properly. Let's give him his first M- film. Maybe yeah. that's maybe it. Maybe it's The Dark Knight. Maybe. Maybe. That would be Maybe. Good. He did say that he put the cowl on for the first time. He was very proud that he could fit into the same mold <laughs> yeah. from 92. But he said he put the cowl on the first time. And the first thing that occurred to him is, oh, I, I can do this 
a lot better now than I did before. Yeah. I'm I'm really excited about playing this character again. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I'm hoping that if anyone, I I would have thought that James Gunn of all, of all people would know that that's the sort of thing that that would get a lot of people. I mean, the guy works with like he brings Sylvester Stallone into his like Guardians of the right. Galaxy film. Right. You know, he's right. he's someone that likes to do that sort of stuff. So. Uh, I, I think I think there's a strong possibility that they have bigger plans for Keaton. They haven't canceled the contract. I mean, there's been no news that yeah, they canceled no. the contract. I think it was for three pictures or something like that. Yeah, and and, and I would assume that because back. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure he's been paid for back. He must have been paid for Batgirl and paid for his cameo in in, in Aquaman too. But we still don't know. Like the last reports were that the Ben Affleck cameo in Aquaman two was 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 scrapped as well. So, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Anyway, uh, anything to add, James? <laughs> I just I think um, there's a good possibility that they're saving him for something special. Yeah, and um, I think yeah, when hope so. Gunn presents a slate to Zazav and the execs in January or the end of the month or whenever it is. Um, we still probably won't hear anything because they're just presenting and then they're going to go over, you know, probably won't hear anything yeah. until August, if anything at all. Um, and that's the case. Like if you're going to scrap Keaton, but like you said, Sean, like three contract deal, three film deal, uh, we could probably see him coming, showing up in something else, you know, yeah. or his own film as a Batman. Mm. You know? I think yeah, that would be you- great. And that'd be a smart move by WB. I do too, but I think it's I think it's hilarious that you know we we're all excited about seeing seventy one year old Michael Keaton playing Batman again, but Gail Godot Gail Godot is aging out of Wonder Woman. <laughs> I did. You said that. I didn't say that. No, but but uh, um, I just think it's it's hilarious. Oh shit! There goes he's the done it. He's done it again. <laughs> um, but you know, and then the you know they're saying with the 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 rumors about the new Bond that Idris Elba is too old to be Bond. But we're really excited to see seventy-one-year-old Michael Keaton as Batman. I, I think it's interesting how that changes from from character to character. Yep. Yeah, it's one of those things. Youth people like the the youth. Youth. Are we going to get Arnold Schwarzenegger back as Mister Freeze? That's the oh, that, question. That, that'd be great. No, but apparently he's doing a Conan. So what? King apparently, Conan. Apparently, King. Ever- King Conan is is slated again, or something. I saw something the other day saying really? King Conan might be still alive. I did not know that. Right, looking forward to his UTAP spy series on Netflix. Ah, yes, that's coming out. We were talking about that the other day because uh, uh, you know I'm really liking Stallone and Tulsa King, so I'm interested to see what Schwarzenegger does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can go to uh, our YouTube channel on small screen and watch our video about UTAP as well. <laughs> This is our forty million marketing, forty million dollar marketing budget, right there. <laughs> hey man, eighty percent of the small screen exposure is me plugging all the time. Yeah, <laughs> and you do a very good job of it. You do. I'll try. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for for chatting with us, Sean. I always yeah. enjoy being here. It's are we going to do another one before Christmas, or are we just going to appear on? Oh yeah. So if those listening to the podcast, all 37 listeners, uh, we're going, the podcast will still exist in 2023, but we are going to also be doing our live shows on Tuesdays hmm. uh, every week. 
and they will be put up as a podcast. So yeah. don't fret. But you can catch us and you can see us on video at uh, youtube.com slash smallscreenco. And it's a, oh yeah, there's another site. There's another YouTube channel as well, isn't there? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Sorry, it's Small Screen Live. That's it the is one. Small Screen right. Live. And you can catch... All right, and you can catch us at youtube.com slash smallscreenlive. <laughs> you, you, you're making ads are going to edit it. You're not going to edit it. You just keep keeping well, the mistakes. Right now. <laughs> I would. I'd keep in the mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> makes it memorable. Exactly. It makes it more more human, more natural. You know, it's, well, I don't like it when podcasts are too edited. You can really hear it. People don't want natural. They want AI art. That's all they want. <laughs> they want a Wes Anderson directed uh, Avengers movie. That looks great. To be honest, I don't watch the hell out of that. <laughs> that looks amazing. Right, guys, I've got to go. Thank all you right. so much, guys. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Right. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Talk James. Soon. Later, guys. Bye. Later. To everyone here at Small Screen, we'd just like to say thank you very much for listening this year. And uh, we hope in 2023 that you'll be joining us for our podcasts and our live shows and hope everyone has a happy holidays. And remember, wherever you go, there you are. Thanks for listening and make sure you follow us on whatever podcast platform you're listening on as we'll have new episodes up each week. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel, Small Screen Co., where we have exclusives, news, actor interviews, edited videos of snippets from the Small Screen podcast and more. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.